Welcome in to the Wednesday edition of the Paul Farrington Show. Paul Farrington joined alongside Robert Ziggy Ziegler and Jack Weinberger. Gentlemen, guys, uh, groundbreaking day in the NFL. Former Dolphins head coach Brian Flores uh, has filed a class action lawsuit against the NFL, the New York Giants, the Denver Broncos, uh, and the Dolphins are cited in there, claiming racial discrimination in the league's hiring process for coaches and executives. In the suit, it's claimed that Dolphins owner Stephen Ross offered Flores $100,000 for every loss during the 2019 season in an attempt to get the number one draft pick. That was Joe Burrow's class, the year the Bengals drafted him, a year in which the Dolphins selected to attack Vailoa later in the draft. Uh, it's also included that Flores received recent text messages from Bill Belichick, which indicates that the Giants conducted their interview with Flores after they had already decided to hire Bill's offensive coordinator, Brian Dable, as their next head coach. It's claimed that the NFL is managed much like a plantation. Here's the exact quote. Quote, in certain critical ways, the NFL is racially segregated and is managed much like a plantation. It's 32 owners, none of whom are black, profit substantially from the labor of NFL players, 70% of whom are black. The owners watch the games from atop NFL stadiums in their luxury boxes, while the majority black workforce put their bodies on the line every Sunday, taking vicious hits and suffering debilitating injuries to their bodies and brains, while the NFL and its owners reap billions of dollars. It's mentioned an instance in the past in which Flores was interviewing for the Broncos head coaching position. Broncos management arrived disheveled. They were hungover clearly an hour late to the meeting. And it was also clear that the interview was simply to satisfy the league's Rooney rule. Rooney rule is a rule as of 2021 requires every team in the NFL to interview at least two external minority candidates for open head coaching positions and at least one external minority candidate for a coordinator job. Uh, this goes on to include senior level positions, but I'm not going to get into that right now. The aim is to increase diversity among leadership positions, coaches, general managers, etc. So there's a lot of information right there. And before getting into it further, I want to acknowledge I'm not an expert on the situation. I'm also a white male who wants to learn more about what goes on behind the scenes here. But firstly, Brian Flores has likely ended his career in coaching here. You'll hear many outlets calling this a great sacrifice because it is. After filing a class action lawsuit, it's hard to imagine him receiving a head coaching role again, especially in the near future. And yesterday he interviewed with the Saints. He's a finalist in Houston. This was a great sacrifice from Flores. He is losing something here. But if you take a look at the facts... Zero owners in the league are black. There's currently one head coach as of today. That's Mike Tomlin with the Steelers. Seven black GMs, four offensive coordinators are black, 11 defensive coordinators, yet 70% of the players, as it stated in the lawsuit, are black in this league. Of the nine head coaching vacancies this offseason, four have been filled. All are white. The evidence really is right in front of our eyes. The fact that every season we have this same discussion every year, there are qualified black head coaches and very few of them, if any, ever receive an opportunity, shows that there is a problem in the NFL. It's a problem that needs to be addressed by people who are a lot smarter than myself. It should be a diverse group of people, people who truly desire change. And that's not to say that the Josh McDaniels of the world, who just who just got a job in Vegas, uh, that he doesn't deserve a head coach position because he's a respected coach who's been in the league a long time. Jim Harbaugh, likely assigned with the Vikings, respected coach. It's not even to say that Brian Dable doesn't deserve the job. But from the pure facts... It's as clear as day if you look around the NFL that there's a diversity issue, and there always has been, and the efforts to fix it clearly have not been enough. All right, guys, that was a lot. Whenever you like to jump in.
I do think, Paul, you, you mentioned this is a league widespread issue, and it certainly is. You mentioned a few of the big teams that are being named, the Dolphins, the Giants, the Broncos, but 29 of 32 NFL teams are being sued here. Not all of them have been named. Actually, none of them have been named, but it's pretty easy to deduce who Brian Flores wants to sue. Um, there are over 40 coaches, former coaches or former players who are involved in this lawsuit, and they bring up a lot of good examples. You think of Jim Caldwell with the coach, or with the Colts. Jim Caldwell went 14-2 and two and made the Super Bowl in his first year. Then he went 10-6 and six and won the AFC South his second year. Third year, Peyton Manning gets hurt immediately. Team goes 2-14, and 14, he's fired for having a bad record. Um, certainly don't think that would happen to a lot of coaches. You look at David Culley, right? Wins the same number of games this year without Deshaun Watson as the Texans were able to with last year. He's filed for, fired for philosophical differences. Even their GM remarks, boy, it's really strange we're firing him after just one year, isn't it? Uh, you look at people like Chris Richard, right, who coordinate histor- with the, he coordinated the historic Legion of Boom defense. Um, never got a job offer. You look at Terrell Austin, right, who kept getting brought in for interviews over and over again. Never hired. Eric Bieniemy, unable to get a head coaching position despite coordinating for the best offense and the best quarterback in the league. It's difficult not to see a pattern here. Um, there's going to be a lot of discovery. A lot of things are going to come out. Some of them are going to help one side. Some of them are going to help another. But certainly there's an interesting case to be had here. And given how broad it is, um, I do think the NFL needs to be concerned about what's going to come out of this. And I think that the relief that the plaintiffs are asking for here is pretty reasonable. They don't want huge amounts of money. They actually haven't asked for any money in the settlement. They've asked for funding to minority coach jobs. Um, They've asked to see over time an increase rather than a decrease of black head coaches and general managers. It's, It's pretty reasonable in my view, and I'm interested to see what comes out of this, and hopefully it leads to some good change. Yeah, Ziggy, you, you present a lot of great examples there, and um, I think something that I was saying before, the, the solution to this is going to come from people who know a lot more about what's going on than myself or Ziggy or Jack here, but something that we can all agree upon is that there there's clearly an issue. Um, whether people will admit that or not, just look at the basic facts of the matter. And overall, yeah, hopefully hopefully we're able to come to a happy conclusion to all this, but, but uh, it, may, it might take a while. It might get a little messy. I do have to say it is um, pretty ironic that the thing that's taking down the Giants now, the thing that started this whole lawsuit was Bill Belichick screwing up in a text. Um, Bill Belichick finally getting his revenge on the New York Giants. <laughs> So there's certainly going to be more to come of this story. We'll get into it. I'm sure we'll talk about it again before it's over. But for now, these are the facts of the case. This is what we know is going on. So we just want to present that to you, let you make your own opinions of it. Uh, In other news, there was a huge story today that would probably be the number one story on almost any other day of the NFL calendar year. And that's the Tom Brady officially announced his retirement. He announced it on his Instagram page. The big controversy coming out of this is that he didn't mention New England. He didn't thank Bill Belichick, Patriots fans, anyone up in Foxborough for the 20 seasons that he spent there. Now, personally, I, I don't think this is a big deal. He had his moment with New England. He had a big goodbye with them. Uh, this was very clearly aimed to thank Tampa Bay in the situation there. I will say it also very clearly left out New England. Like it, not, it, not only did it very clearly about New England, it included Michigan, right? So he said, thank you. I love Tampa. I love the Buccaneers. I love the coaches and the players. 
And boy, I love Michigan. I had a great time there. I love the coaches. I love the players. Yeah, I'll I'll say it it is very odd the way it happened. I don't think that there's terrible bad blood right now. It seemed that Belichick and Brady had a nice moment after the game in Foxborough earlier this year. That's what all the reports say. That's what all the reports say. And he added an extra tweet later today. Thank you, Patriots Nation, retweeting uh, Robert Kraft's big goodbye to Tom Brady. But it's just it is funny that it is like eight posts goodbye. He couldn't find a line to say, by the way, thanks for six Super Bowls, Bill. It's bizarre, me. clearly intentional to me, but shouldn't be a big story. I'm sure that there will be a huge goodbye up in Boston. That There will be a retirement party. Every Everything will happen. I'd be very surprised if it didn't. But that was the big story out of this. Was well, you know why, why not just throw a line in there? It, it, it's a bizarre move from Brady. Clearly a calculated one. Um, guys, I'm very surprised at the way this developed. I, even after the announcement a couple days ago, or I should say the quote-unquote announcement that was leaked from Schefter and Darlington um, over at ESPN, it it just didn't make sense to me to see him walk away right now. Uh, I, I felt that he had a lot of game left, and clearly he does. I mean, what, he led the league in passing and touchdowns this year? In week 15, Tom Brady was the MVP favorite. Yeah, exactly. So he's going out on top, and I can see that making sense from a health standpoint, you know, he wants to go out healthy. It's important for his brand that he goes out being a, being a healthy player, being at the top of his game. But, man, it just doesn't feel right to see Tom Brady leave the NFL the way he did. It feels like there should be more of a celebration of it. And, and perhaps in, in, in many ways that it's fitting for him to go out like that. Um, he came in as a six-round draft pick, and he leaves in a pretty humble way, not without the attention all on himself for an entire season. Because it's funny, so I was actually uh, I was at work today, and the news broke. You know, as as we were you know, running the show, like as you know, we were on air, and obviously that became the main focal point for a solid you know three four segments. And it is surprising because I mean, this is the only time really where you've seen an athlete who is still the best of the best and who could still play you know better than anybody else can call it quits. And I was surprised that I know he's a big family man. He stressed his time with his family. He's played for what, 22 seasons. It's a lot. And and so good for him. But if I was Tom Brady, like a small part of me, and which is why I was surprised would want that whole ceremonial celebration. You know, I would announce it. I said this on, on the previous podcast too. I would announce it beforehand. So everybody knows then I'd play that final season, kind of have like a uh, like a farewell tour type of thing. It was just so sudden, and it really it this really sim- symbolizes a changing of a guard. You know, our childhood growing up: Tom Brady, Big Ben, Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, Eli Manning, Peyton Manning. I mean, there. I mean, that's it. And it, so it really it took a while to hit me, but uh, I mean, it really is crazy. The only other athlete I can think of retiring in their prime like this is Rocky Marciano. Right, retired, undefeated, un- undisputed heavyweight champion boxer. What I mean is, like, that's how rare it is. Is you nah, got to go well, back well, to like, well, well, I, I'm sorry. You, well, no, because can... this wasn't from injuries. This wasn't from having issues with his franchise. Um, yes, that's like, that's even... important. That's yeah, an important. Yeah, it's just like criteria. he retired. It seemed just because like he's conquered the world and there's nothing left to conquer. Tom Brady doesn't need anything else. And th- to me, honestly, what this cements in my mind is that Tom Brady is a true competitor. He doesn't want to go out there unless he's 100% in the game ready to win. That's what the he said, right? The second he starts having doubts, yeah, well, I believe him here. 
right? It's because oh, Tom too. Brady, Tom Brady would probably have a 10, 15% chance to win a Super Bowl next year. He's for just sure. saying no. For sure. I know, Ziggy, I, I completely agree with you. If He doesn't want to play if his heart's not 100% in it. And it seems like at this point, for really the first time in his career, he had those doubts as to whether or not he wants to go through the whole process again. And that's that's a process that doesn't just include a physical toll and a mental toll on his body, but it's for his family, his wife, his kids, spending time with them. They can wait another week. They can wait another year, but it He's is a lot. Long I know, I know. I, I, yeah, look, look, I, I think they could I think they there comes There comes a time where, you know, growing up, I was always saying to myself, you know, watching football on Sunday after a long week, boring week of school. Like, Dawn, this is amazing. You know, you show up and play and play football once a week. But it, it, it really, I mean, it's not like that. Like, Tom Brady is away from his family for 22 years, you know, throughout the entire football season. He's watching film. He's practicing. It's not just working one day a week. It really is. It takes a toll. And I feel like you know when you're done, you're done. And he wouldn't retire today if that wasn't the case. And I just want to mention this because I know we have a couple Lions fans who listen to this podcast. I know my my own father would be on me if I didn't say this, but Barry Sanders certainly fits into one of those guys. Oh, I know, I know, Barry I know. Sanders, Calvin Johnson, uh, Michael Jordan Calvin, before he definitely. came back. If um, Michael Jordan hadn't come back, he'd be an example, right? Oh my, he'd be he'd be the example. Yeah, I mean, he'd be the example, right? But we're certainly not going to see. I think Barry Michael Sanders. Jordan, yeah, I think Barry Sanders is the poster boy for retiring while you're still at least in some sort of the prime of your career. I, um, it, this just feels different, right? Because Barry Sanders really he retired because he was just sick He was done. He was tired of Detroit. I'm sorry for the um, – Tom Monroe, again, you get back-to-back shouts. So sorry for the Detroit slander, but, yeah, he was he was tired of them. Tom Brady really seems sad about retiring in a way that I just – like Bar- Barry Sanders has said in interviews since he is not a second of regret that he retired oh, when I'm he did. Sure I feel like Tom Brady's going to regret this tomorrow. I'm not saying he's not. It's not ultimately the right thing, but like I think Tom Brady's gonna wake up tomorrow and be like, "Oh crap, did I really quit?" Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure that Bowl. he's gonna have moments of doubt. And Jack, something you mentioned there was just funny. Uh, it caught my attention when you mentioned that the story broke while you're at work in sports media uh, today at my company meeting, my early morning meeting with the volume. Uh, our social media, our head of social media, was saying, yeah, "It seems like a pretty slow day today, guys." And Every day in sports media, you just never know when a crazy story is going to break. Ah, oh, it's a slow day. All of a sudden, Tom Brady's retiring. Brian Flores. Like, it, it can all break so quickly. And it's impressive to me when I, I see the reactions from you know, ESPN analysts, Fox analysts, whoever it is. Anyone who's reacting to this is they're forming strong opinions very quickly. And, and especially in the case of Brian Flores today, like you're, you're going out there in front of a camera without too much time to think about it. I'm sure that over the course of time, you know, Ryan Clark always gives very, very diligent answers, uh, well thought out. But it's impressive to me to see the reaction sports media um, when this this news can break and all of a sudden you have to be ready to go. Uh, we, we had a whole 10 minute segment lined up today on the uh, on the NBA, which is a 940 a.m. segment. It goes to 954, 14 minute segment. NBA around the association. The news breaks at like 938 in the morning. And I mean, it just needs to see, I mean, we got to come up with a whole slew of new graphics and highlights and just immediately cut, you know, that's what we got to talk about now for the next 45 minutes. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. 
the, the best reactions today were obviously from the New York Giants Twitter and the New York Jets winner. The Giants tweeting out Tom Brady, famous for losing two Super Bowls to the New York Giants, retired today. The Jets <laughs> tweeting out Tom Brady, most famous for losing the losing in the AFC to Mark Sanchez, retired today. <laughs> like th- those are the kinds of things you love. To that see. wins the day. All right, we'll uh, we'll we'll touch on one more thing here before we'll wrap it up for this Wednesday this Wednesday's show. Uh, looks like Jim Harbaugh is going to sign with the Vikings. It, it looks like he is. What, Ziggy? You're shaking. Are you shaking your head? No, I just I I, I agree it's going to happen. And you'll remember we called it early the seconds that Harbaugh inter- what then there was a notice Harbaugh was interviewing. We said he's there. I'm just I'm very surprised. We did. Harbaugh we did. We we liked Vikings. it. Uh, it seemed a couple days ago, and in terms of the way I was reacting to this, three days ago, I thought that it was about a 70% chance they were going to sign him. And as as you were saying, so we called it on the show. But then a report came out, and I, I think that the report has since been discredited, that he was likely to go to Miami. And I was disappointed. I thought all of a sudden, you know, 70 to 30%. But now today it says, all right, he's being flown into Minneapolis tomorrow. Seems to be more of a formality at this point. Not to tomorrow, Paul. Did he fly in today? A privately owned twin turboprop plane owned by a certain uh, Wolf's family (laughs) departed from Michigan heading towards Minneapolis-St. Paul, or St. Paul, Minnesota, Minneapolis-St. Paul Airport today. And then after that, it flew to Rochester, Minnesota Airport, which landed nearly 20 miles away from the Vikings HQ. And let's clarify, by today, we mean Tuesday night. Tuesday night. This yeah, is by, the by today we mean eight fourteen p.m. on Tuesday. On Tuesday, I mean, yes. guys, we shouldn't we shouldn't be all that surprised. We know Jim Harbaugh likes cold, miserable, disgusting weather. I mean, he's not he's not going to choose Miami over Minnesota. Come when on. when, when not, you I'm present not. when you present Minnesota or Miami to Jack, the reaction is always the same. It's why why would I ever go to Minnesota when I have I mean, palm trees? I mean, you know why Jim Harbaugh's going to Minnesota? He coached in Michigan for a while. He likes that stuff. I don't know. His previous coaching job, if you remember, was in San Francisco. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, guys, like I, I really am not so sure. I know he's a big-time name, but I'm really not so sure how I feel about Jim Harbaugh. I mean, and these guys who tend to have success in college, I don't know how big of a fan I am when they go to move on to the NFL. Well, well he, I he was I know he coached in the NFL. I know, I know. I know he was good in the NFL. I do. But when you tend to have success, like big time success at the college level, and I think there's a reason he wasn't, I mean, he didn't stay in the NFL. When you have big time success in college and then try to go back to the NFL, I mean, it's, it's just different. It shakes you up. Oh, look, I, lo- I really like the hire because I think the Vikings are in desperate need of some sort of swagger. They need they needed to make a splash hire to generate some excitement around the program because it's just been so much of the same lately. Uh, Spielman and Zimmer, we've talked about on this show, they didn't talk for most of this season. It's unbelievable. You need to have a relationship between your general manager and your head coach. It's probably the second most important relationship in a football team other than the head coach and quarterback. Um, That's all subjective, of course, but I'm excited for this hire. If if it becomes official, uh, Harbaugh is certainly a guy who will rally the troops. It seems that people like to play for him. And I really do think that the Vikings need a little bit of an edge to them. They need someone who's going to come in and rile things up. Now, look, maybe maybe Harbaugh was thinking about Miami. Right now, Miami does not seem like the place you want to be. Stephen Ross. Ross didn't want him to leave. People forget Ross was a Michigan alumni. Alumnus. Ross yeah, oh, loves he loves Michigan, he he loves Michigan Harbaugh and Harbaugh. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, he loves Harbaugh. He loves Harbaugh, too. Yeah. 
Uh, he said Miami, the reason they weren't pursuing is he wanted Harbaugh to stay at Michigan. Yeah, and I, if I were Harbaugh, though, with the way that Ross handles things, I don't even know if I'd want to go down to Miami. Yeah, I mean, look, like you talk about how Harbaugh eventually got pushed out of the NFL, and there was a weird um, power struggle between him and the general manager and the 49ers. But, like, look, let's say the Vikings get the Jim Harbaugh experience. You win 70% of your games. Oh, boy. You go to the Super Bowl in two years. Um, unfortunately, you kind of lose. Um, the third year, you go to the NFC Championship and lose to the eventual Super Bowl champion. Like, if I'm a Vikings fan, which I am, I am thrilled <laughs> to go to the Super Bowl in two years. And if ultimately that means you got to get rid of your head coach after four years of where your worst season was 500, sign me up. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm all for this. I'm all for this hire. Uh, I, th- I think the next move to see is whether or not he keeps Kirk Cousins, which I'd imagine he will. Uh, if Aaron Rodgers leaves, Kirk Cousins becomes by far the best quarterback of the NFC North at the moment. Justin Fields, we, we don't know what could happen. Did you see Aaron Rodgers this playoffs? Kirk Cousins is already by far the best <laughs> playoff in the NFC North. So last question on Harbaugh. If you were in his shoes, would you guys have taken Minnesota or Miami? Which of the two do you think was the more appealing destination? Minnesota. <laughs> I think you guys are nuts. You guys are nuts. Jack, what about from a football standpoint, though? Disregard weather for a second. You still think Miami's better? Yeah, I think Miami is a, is a very good, young, talented team full of potential. I think Minnesota's, I think Minnesota's horrible. Minnesota's also got a talented young team. What do you mean? Dalvin Cook, potential. Justin you Jefferson? You think Viola's like the future? You think he's Min- the truth? Minnesota has an old quarterback who's not going to win anything. They have a bad offensive line. They have a bad defense. They have a couple of cool weapons on offense. Miami's better. Jack, how much better is an old quarterback who's not going to win anything, which is false, compared to a young quarterback who isn't going to win anything and has never won anything? There's I, no difference but, in the amount you win. I don't, I don't want Tua Tagovailoa right now. Like I, I think Tua is, is fine to throw out there if you need someone as a filler, but right now I do not see championship-level quarterback on him whatsoever. I mean, you're looking at a Dolphins team, guys, that if they, they were currently – they held the number six seed in the AFC playoffs with two weeks left to go. And After starting one and seven. they lost. I know they did. But I would take they that – They didn't get there in the back of their quarterback play. Jack's just upset because Kirk Cousins showed up the Steelers on Thursday Night Football for two and a half quarters. Well, they almost blew that lead. I said two and a half quarters. No, I, I, <laughs> I do not think that Minnesota is as good as the Miami Dolphins are. All right, you know, all right. Time's going to bear that out. We'll see. Yeah, Next I think, year, I think more, it's going to be think, a good chance to see. I think the Finns have more potential, and that guy like Jim Harbaugh can do a lot with that. Well, it looks like he's going to be in Minnesota anyway. So, uh, so, so three to one in this case. Yeah, he's an but, angry man. He's an angry, miserable <laughs> man who likes to be in the cold. So there you have it. There's your Wednesday podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, TikTok. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we are closing in on 200 hours of watch time. What? Well, that's 9,800 hours to go till monetization. Countdown continues for YouTube. I'm uh, really thanks. excited to get those five cents a week. Oh, oh, Ziggy. What we'll be able to do as we save up? Incredible Ten things. 10 cents coming. a week? Incredible things coming for this show, especially with YouTube shorts. You really could rack up the money on those as we know. All right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Wednesday edition of the Paul Farrington Show, and we'll see you for Fun Friday.